Even when you try to maintain a healthy diet, it can be tough to get all of the nutrients you need for long-term health. Care of makes it super easy and even fun to figure out what vitamins and supplements are best for your diet and lifestyle. Go to takecareof.com and take a short quiz to get your personalized vitamin recommendation. Use offer code AMR at checkout for 50% off your first month of vitamins. Welcome to another Mother Runner. This is Sarah in beautifully sunny Portland. And Dimity uh, in not smoky anymore, Colorado. Yay! All the wildfires are 100% contained as far as I know, which is so huge. We had such a bad couple weeks there in late June. Holy cow, Sarah. Oh, I know. It was scary. It was, I mean, it was scary. You know, kind of the the adjective that was being tossed around, which sounds really dramatic, but it wasn't, was like apocalyptic. I mean, it was just... I mean, especially because I, I've lived in Colorado Springs and I mean, they lost almost 350 houses down there. I mean, that is just, mm-hmm. that is, I mean, I don't know. I mean, obviously every tragedy is a tragedy, but that one just really kind of rocked my, rocked me to my core more than, more than others. Um, mm-hmm. So yeah. And when well, I, I mean, it almost literally hit home for you. Yeah. It did. Yeah. So. I mean, I think the, the, um, someone told me that one of the, uh, what is the evacuation lines was like a mile from our house at one point, who knows? I, you know, but, um, our old house, I should say our old house, but, um, but yeah. And like Grant, my husband's editor lost her home in the Fort Collins fire. I mean, it's just, ugh, it just oh, wow. makes me sick to my stomach. Wow. So, but it's nice yeah. and clear yeah. and her- sunny now. <laughs> um, so it's been a while since we've talked. So we have had some, some much needed R and R. So I want to, we didn't talk when we spoke briefly this morning. I didn't even ask you about your time in Wyoming in on Wyoming. the, it, was it a dude ranch? It was a dude ranch. Sorry, yeah, go ahead. We were at a dude ranch. It in, was a dude ranch. Yeah. Dude, there, it was um, a ranch. Dude, it was a ranch. <laughs> the dudes are like, you know, the, 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 the city folk, you know, we aren't the cowboys. The cowboys are the wranglers. I was a dude. Mm-hmm. Um, and, uh, and yeah, we went up for a family reunion to this ranch up near Buffalo, Wyoming that um, we've gone to for a number of generations. And um, yeah, it was fun. Well, it was, it was, it was fun, but within the 10 minutes of the first ride, so I got there on Saturday, we go out for our first ride on Sunday. I expressly ask for a mellow horse. Because the last time I went there, I had to trade in my horse because I was a little bit too um, ambitious. Trade in your horse. I want one with leather seats. <laughs> I know, right? <laughs> I want three legs, please. Um, so, uh, it's because of the, my horse the first time, like I was, I grew up riding, but not my sisters are really good riders. I'm like, you know, I've, I'm very comfortable around horses, but it's not my forte, you know, not like running is mm-hmm. anyway. And um, so, uh, so anyway, so I was ambitious with my horse choice last year. So I'm like this year, like both my kids can ride. I just want to be able to hang in the back with them and enjoy the scenery. And um, so I asked for a mellow horse. Nemo was his name as in take a memo. After, oh, uh-huh. after I tell you what happened, I'll, I started calling him ammo. But um, so we, uh, <laughs> we come around this left-hand turn. We're just walking out of this, uh, out of the kind of the, the lane that you go to all the different trails. And there's a little black dog mm-hmm. on the left-hand side um, that we're, as we're taking a left-hand turn. And, you know, they have that blind spot and memo totally spooked. And I wasn't really aware ready for that to happen. And, um, it was just 20 seconds of like sheer terror. I'm sure it was just really three seconds, but it felt like 20, like, 
I was like, oh my God, oh my God. And I've got my kids there. You know, I mean, we've got, you know, four little kids that are all oh new God. riders and I'm just like, and then it's not like falling off a bike, like on a bike. I know I'm going to hit the pavement hard, but I'm not going to be uh-huh. hurt as in like this, the yeah, wheel the bike's is not, not going to step on your head. <laughs> exactly. <Yeah. laughs> so, um, so I was just, it was, it was really, I won't, I won't lie. I was completely, completely freaked out. And, um, I fell, I mean, I, I fell off the horse. Um, and then he, you know, he just stood there after I got off and it was fine. I mean, I, it was, it was, it was fine at the end, but, um, I got scratched. And you up. just wear cowboy hats. Like you're not wearing like a riding helmet, like no, you wear in a lesson or something. Had I had on my baseball hat on actually some kids had on helmets. I mean, we were at like a trot or either walking or trotting and I, it was mm-hmm. so bleeping hot. I mean, there were wildfires up there and it was, you know, 95 degrees and dusty. And I'm like, mm. I do not want to put on a helmet and, you know, call me mm-hmm. your responsible mom, but I didn't make my kids wear them either. And, um, so anyway, so yeah, so I fell off and I got scratched and bruised and, um, I was, I was teary. I was very teary, but I really was like, okay, bite my cheeks and get back on because I mean, that was really Ben's first ride. And if I would have, you know, been very chanel mm. or whatever, he would have freaked out and I was just like, okay, let's just keep going, <laughs> you know? And, uh, so that was, that was not, um, ideal. And then a couple of nights later, again, on this horse, we were out with the Wrangler. My, we were galloping at that point up on this really cool mesa. And um, Jeff, my brother-in-law, lost his cowboy hat. Again, it goes flying through um, Memo's blind spot. And he re- reared up. But um, but I stayed on that time. The Wrangler, I was with this cute Wrangler named Wit, who was about as skinny as a stick of licorice. Like, he was just this very, very funny <laughs> Wrangler. And uh, he was talking, like, you know, squeeze your legs, use your rein. You know, it was very, very helpful. And I stayed on. And I was like... Uh-huh wit like i asked for a couch of a horse like what what did you give me you know and he's like that's the fastest i've ever seen never move you know i'm just like of course, that's life, right? um but otherwise the week was great i mean no no problems and you know it was like family camp i didn't have to make meals for you know three meals a day seven days 21 meals not have to make that's like right there worth the price of any horse bucking me off right <laughs> Oh my gosh, love the math. The, that's 21 meals right there. And snacks too. Um, so yeah, and you were visiting your parents, right, in Connecticut? But wait, 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 also, but you did you got your knee kind of crushed a little bit too, didn't you? Yeah, yeah that was, well, I wasn't sure how many horse stories we wanted to tell. But um, yeah, so then we went on this other ride called China Wall, which sounds more um, daunting than it really is. But um, we had to, we had someone was coming down the path as we were going up, so we um, gave them the right away and kind of did a little bushwhacking. And so there's two choices between um, aspen trees. Say you know one is as wide as my minivan, and the other one is as wide as you know four bicycles side by side. And um, uh-huh. of course, Memo picks the one that is the four bicycles. I, I, you know, I thought that he was just going to pick, he is, he was a very wide horse. I mean, when he, when he, when he was first brought to me the first time, they're like, put your ear to his stomach, to its stomach. You can hear the baby. <laughs> um, <laughs> was pregnant. And then I realized that he was a boy and he was not pregnant, but, um, but I mean, he was like, a co- I mean, he was a couch of a horse, you know? So I was like, this guy knows his girth. Like he's going to go through the minivan size thing. No, he goes through the, the narrow aspens and, that oh my gosh I mean that almost hurt more than getting bucked off just because my it was like hitting that well first of all it was on the bruise that I already fell off on so it was like double bruise and then it was like kind of like my funny bone in my knee you know that part that just Uh like yeah where they your whole body 
you're just like, oh, I'm okay. I mean, nothing happened except for that my knee got, you know, he didn't, you know, memo was on phase. He was like, I got through this fine. I don't know what her problem is. But, um, so yeah, I just, you know, I'm not, you know, horses and me, we're not super, you know, we don't connect um, the way I don't have that sixth sense with horses that I do with, you know, a bike, say, or, <laughs> or a dog or a child or something. I just never really have been. They've never been my favorite animal. I guess I'll just say that. So I'm trying to think of some witty way to transition from horses to our guests, but I can't think of it. So I'm just going to introduce who we're going to be talking to today. And that's Bray Blackley, who is the founder of the Zuma Women's Half Marathon Series, which you and I have been fortunate enough, as you know, Dimity, to go <laughs> to all of their races since our since Run Like a Mother came out. So we've been to all of them since March of 2010. And that um, typically there's five of them. There's um, Texas, Atlanta, Annapolis, Cape Cod, and Wisconsin. So without further ado. Oh, Great Lakes. Okay. Yes. Yes. Great Lakes. A little bit more possible than Wisconsin, but just saying. (laughs) Okay. Or, but it makes me think of butter. So I don't know. Uh, (laughs) Or that's Land O'Lakes. So now, and that makes me think of Minnesota. So never mind. It is in (laughs) It's called Great Lakes. It's in Wisconsin. And and with that, let's talk to Bray. So Bray, we this is now year what of the Zuma series? This is my fifth year. Mm. So tell us about tell us about the genesis of the Zuma Women's Half Marathon series. Yeah, so about actually six years ago, I was slaving away at a corporate law firm in Boston. Um, and, um, not enjoying my career and my lack of work-life balance. So when, um, my husband and I were leaving Boston, moving to a new town, I'd be switching jobs. Um, I had to think about what I wanted to do next. And, um, this was a time about five years ago. It's hard to imagine it was only five years ago. Um, but there really weren't many women's races, any big ones anyway. Nike women's was going full force. Um, Iron Girl existed. Um, and then there were a few of the kind of older storied races, um, big women's races, but not the plethora that there are today. Mm -hmm. So, um, I thought it would be really fun to create, um, a women's half marathon. Half marathon was my favorite distance to create a half marathon that what had a girl's weekend feel. Mm -hmm. Um, I thought that would hopefully encourage women to come and train and participate with their friends, a positive peer pressure thing. Um, and so I decided to, as we moved to DC from Boston, I decided to not pursue my legal career, um, any further and, um, try one race. And so I did one in Annapolis and we had about, I had no idea what I was doing. Um, (laughs) we, we, we back up. So we, 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 so, so, I mean, I am like, I am just like a total like nerd about details. Like I love details. Um, so I just want to know like a kind of what, I mean, because and then and when I talk to you at a race, I mean, you guys seem so calm, cool, and collected, which you are because you've been doing this for you know a number of years, and you kind of have the system down. But I mean, you have to organize everything from you know the course to the music to the police to the food. I mean, isn't it just like do you drive yourself a little crazy? Yeah, I like you said. I mean, really, the key for us now is that um, each of our events are basically the same, just moved to a different city, you know, for the next race. So, um, once we've done a race once it's pretty formulaic for us. And so we cannot be stressed out on race day, but, um, 
the first year in a new city is a little stressful because you kind of never know what's going to come up. And I will tell you for probably the first two years that I put on events, I literally did not sleep the night before mm. um, because I just was stressed out just thinking of everything that could go wrong. And, you know, so many people are training for your event and for some people it's their first race, you know, some people are comeback race. They've spent months of their life toward your event and it makes you feel terrible if something doesn't go right for them. So it's a lot of pressure. Um, and, you know, I always would take it seriously and our whole team takes it very seriously. So you can't take it, you know, it's, um, it's important to be stressed out a little bit to make sure things go correctly. But, um, sure. but and when you've done it a few times, it's not so bad. <laughs> and are you kind of like a, um, do you feel like you're a bride who has an outdoor wedding and you're like studying the weather patterns for weeks beforehand and, you know, making offerings to the weather gods and things like that? Yeah. You know, I don't know what the deal is, but I have excellent weather karma. Mm -hmm. Um, we have really in five years, so however many events that is, um, 15, 16, 17 races, something like that. Mm -hmm. We've never had, um, a t terrible weather. I'll take that back. One Knock year on we had, on wood for you. yeah, I know. I'll right. But, um, <laughs> one year it was really hot in Annapolis and oh, yeah. we still ran the race. Mm -hmm. Um, but it was really, really hot. Yeah, that was, tw um, that was so 2010, that may I think. Yeah, that maybe qualifies as not great weather. And actually, you know, we were watching the weather and we were prepared. Um, mm -hmm. and, and we had, you know, kind of beefed up the areas we need to beef up in preparation for hot weather. Mm -hmm. What we didn't count on is the crazy humidity. Mm -hmm. I think the temperature was actually in the 80s, which wasn't that bad, but it was like 120% humidity <laughs> or something. It was unbelievable. Oh, shoot. Yeah, I remember that I went yeah. running. At, I, that was the first Zuma Annapolis that I was at, and that was in 2010. And I remember that my friend and I went running afterwards and were just drenched as we ran through the lovely streets of Annapolis. So, I mean, what are some of the logistics that need to get worked? I mean, like, you know, how many permits do you need to to pull. And I mean, I think, cause I think a lot of times people wonder like, well, why does it, why does the race go out and back or, you know, things like that. And I think what they don't realize is that a lot of that has to do with the logistics of getting roads closed and having, um, you know, security personnel so that cars don't cut through. I mean, tell us a little bit about that. Yeah. Um, you're definitely right, Sarah. Whenever we've had an intern or a new team member come on board, everyone is uniformly surprised at the detail and trouble it takes to get a, an event permitted. Um, so, it, it, you know, a municipality mm -hmm. can sort of span the, the gamut of um, being really difficult to permit, like Annapolis is for us, um, or being kind of such a sleepy town that really you just have to converse with the police and have them come out to your event. Um, that's the easiest, of course. So the more interesting case is when it's more difficult to permit. Um, in Annapolis, I have to get four per permits from four different jurisdictions because we run through roads that are kind of owned or managed by four different groups. That's State Highway, the City of Annapolis, the county, um, and then the Naval Academy, the federal government. Um, so, wow. mm. well, that must yeah, be a real actually, fun one yeah. to get. Uh -huh. um, so it's, you know, you have to... Um, in Annap Since 2011, BarkBox has been committed to making dogs happy. For humans, BarkBox is a delivery of four to six natural treats and super fun toys curated around a surprise theme each month. For dogs, BarkBox is like the joy of a million belly scratches. BarkBoxes include all-natural treats and innovative toys to match a dog's unique needs, including allergies and heavy chewer preferences. Not a phrase I say every day. 
Dimity's dog Mason, an energetic Weimaraner, is eagerly awaiting his first BarkBox. Dimity let BarkBox know the breed, size, and even name of her dog, as well as the all-important chewing preferences. And now, on the 15th of each month, a new box will get shipped to Mason. Each monthly box is themed, like Country Fair or Brooklyn Hipster, with new and unique toys to keep dogs engaged, interested, and happy. If your pooch doesn't like something in the box, BarkBox promises to send something they'll love, for free, because BarkBox is all about dog happiness. Choose a plan. One, six, or 12-month plans are available. Cancel any time. Free shipping in the continental U.S. For a free extra month when you subscribe to a six- or 12-month plan of BarkBox, visit BarkBox.com AMR. That's BarkBox.com AMR. Woof! Thanks to StoryWorth for supporting our podcast. StoryWorth is a subscription service started by a fellow who wanted families to be able to share their memories and anecdotes with each other. Here's how it works. Purchase a StoryWorth subscription for someone you love, and each week, StoryWorth sends that loved one an email with a question about his or her life. The person either replies with his or her story via email, or records it by phone by calling a StoryWorth number. After a year, the stories are bound in a lovely hardcover keepsake book. My husband Jack and I gifted StoryWorth to his dad, and we're especially looking forward to hearing his tales about going to medical school in Dublin, Ireland, which is where Jack was born and spent the first four years of his life. Then we'll share the book with Jack's siblings. For $20 off, visit StoryWorth.com AMR when you subscribe. That's StoryWorth.com AMR. Annapolis, increasingly, the city council is becoming a lot more vocal in what events can and can't take place. So they actually vote you up or down every year. Um, the county executive who is like the mayor of the county, sort of, he's an elected official, um, has the ability to completely veto your race at any given time. Um, so it's really, you know, it's, you really need to make sure everyone's happy with how you're doing. Um, you need to make sure they're not getting a lot of complaints from their residents. Um, you know, there's a lot of things you have to think about. And when you're designing a course, like you were kind of mentioning, you need to think about the fact that, um, these roads are not there for runners to run down the middle of the road. You know, they're there for traffic and cars to get from point A to point B whenever they want to. And let's face it, most of the people in the town aren't running the race on your morning, even though you wish they were. Um, so you need to think about, you know, you know, Susie Jones, who wants to leave her house uh, while your race is going on to go to the grocery store because she always does on Saturday morning. Um, she needs to be able to get there. You know, it's really mm-hmm. not fair to her to be locked into her home or into her neighborhood just because you want to put on a race. So it is a very tricky thing It'll to take figure out. out road rage, to... right? Yeah, right. I don't, I'm like, um, I'm running the... the next morning. She'll be like trailing me. I'm like, I hate you honking. Sorry, that wasn't very funny, but I, I'm, I have it funny in my head, but I can't quite make it, visualize that or verbalize that. There you go. I can't visualize. God bless Central that. Park West. Yeah. Well, wait, so, so yeah, so you got the permits and then I always want to know like water stops, like, is there some ratio, like you've got to have, you know, 200 cups for every 100 runners or like, what's the, how do you know that you have enough juice on the course? Yeah. Well, I literally have an Excel spreadsheet. It's, you know, it's a, you assume four ounces, um, a serving and you assume 1.5 servings per participant at each water station. So it's just not wow. at that point. Oh, yeah. And did we, how did, is that based on your experience or is that based on like, you know, I'm having 60 people to a party and they're all going to drink two beers, like the kind of thing that you get when you send out an evite, right? How much alcohol to buy? Yeah. 
Yeah, no, I mean, I, it's, I think it's sort of an industry formula that people just use, um, and it just works. I mean, I'm sure some of the cups have three ounces and some have seven, you know, but if you have, you sure. assume four ounces a serving and, um, you know, you think about it, most people are going to take one or fewer cups, but some people are going to take two. So 1.5 yeah. just seems to work out, mm-hmm. um, you know, that we've never had a problem with the quantities that we have. So I think that works pretty well. That is and huge. Always... Not every race can claim that. So that's huge. <laughs> yes. So, so, Hey, let's get out of Annapolis, although as much as we love that race and love that city. So you, you have um, a new Zuma debuting this September, the next time we'll be seeing you in Cape Cod. And then in October, you have the one in Wisconsin, which that'll be its second year. So tell us, kind of walk us through how you pick different, you know, how do you decide where to expand to, where to have a One race? of the first things I think of is where do I want to run? Um, because I think that other people will want to run there too, right? Um, so we're looking sure. for mm-hmm. we're looking for towns um, that are an easy getaway, an easy drive from a pretty big metro area. So for Cape Cod, obviously that's Boston in Providence, and for um, the Great mm-hmm. Lakes race, that's Chicago and Milwaukee and Wisconsin and Madison. Sorry. Um, and then we look for mm-hmm. a really great resort. Um, we're looking for four to five star properties that want to work with us, um, which isn't usually a hard sell. Um, and, um, and then, you know, a great course. So, you know, you could have a property that's in the middle of nowhere that has like nothing but desolate road around it. That's no good. Um, for the, for Cape Cod, we're working mm-hmm. with the Seacrest Beach Hotel and it's great timing because they've just undergone a multi-million dollar renovation. It's a beautiful property, literally on the sand at Old Silver Beach. And that is unusual in Cape Cod. Um, to have a have a hotel right on the beach, um, and then the huh. course is the course is fantastic, right. running through all these cottages and or next to all these cottages and um, great views of the. <laughs> running through them, you're 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 like a police chase, and there's a boxer <laughs> dog or a pit bull running after people. <laughs> no, no, no. It, I mean, the pictures on your website make it look so gorgeous and and um, just very Absolutely. idyllic. It's gonna be great. I'm excited about it for sure. Well, I want to know what's, what's the, minus, minus, um, the, the permits, like what's the most difficult part of putting on a race and what's the most rewarding part of putting on a race? Maybe, maybe start with the rewarding part. Yeah. The rewarding part is easier. I would say, um, I mean, it's definitely when the race is over and we're walking around, people have finished and they're super excited. You can just see kind of the glow around them because they had a great event and kind of the you know, um, accomplishment and the end of their training. And, um, that's awesome to know that we've enabled that and we've enabled, you know, them to have a great day. They really put in the effort, but, you know, we sort of facilitated it. That's a great feeling. Um, and then when we get back to our desks the next Monday or Tuesday and have the emails coming in, um, telling us what a great event they had, um, that's absolutely for sure the reward. Um, the hardest part, I would say, you know, I don't really know what the hardest part is. I mean, just kind of the slog and the months and months of planning details and going over, you know, the plan over and over with the team, just making sure every, you know, T is crossed and I is dotted. Um, it can definitely sure. get to be a slog. And when you don't, when you're not at the event, you don't have that adrenaline, you know, it's kind of hard to stay motivated sometimes. So I would say maybe that's the hardest part. 
Mm-hmm. And I think you forgot that one of the other high points of each race is the talk <laughs> given by Dimity and me. And me. I'm sure that was second on your list. Well, I mean, right? I, yeah, <laughs> backing up a little bit. I mean, you know, I, I, you know, a little bit. I mean, Zuma is a sponsor of ours, and we are very indebted to them. We we love working with you guys. But I have to say, I mean, I go around and make the little Zuma video, and um, after each race, and there's such. I mean, that that atmosphere especially when the weather is cooperating and everyone's kind of hanging out and they're you know taking a sip of wine and then having a sip of water and you know and kind of going back and forth and hanging out with their friends and they've got their necklaces on and the band is playing I mean it's just like nirvana almost you know I mean I get like high off the endorphins and I haven't even run you know I mean it's just so there's it's 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 unlike any other race and I mean that's kind of a cliche but I have to say like you know I mean I've, I've obviously done a lot of races in my life and there's very few that kind of encourage that really let's just hang out and chill, you know, like, yeah, you can go out and like listen to a headbanging concert or something like that, but that's a very different feeling than let's pull up some, you know, a seat under this nice shady tree and hear about, you know, my girlfriends and my four, you know, our four races and laugh and mm-hmm. just, you know, chill. Like I just, I mean, because that's the thing is it's so often like the race you like get there you, you, you know, you, you speed over there because you're trying to, you know, extricate yourself from your kids. You run as fast as you can. You finish. You maybe slog down some, you know, muscle milk or something like that. And then you head home, you know, and there's very little time to kind of just like let it all soak in. And that's, I mean, I guess that's the atmosphere. I guess that if I had to pick one word, it's just like soaking it all in afterwards. And it's just, it's lovely. I mean, it really is. You've done a great job of, um, of creating that atmosphere. So, um, so we'll end, inf- or end the inf- infomercial there now, but I just wanted to, uh, <laughs> to give you props. No, I like it. You can keep going if you want. <laughs> so, but um, one thing we definitely did want to touch upon was, um, uh, and I like this, Dimity wrote this, um, it's I'm really a question so much, it's um, guys that run Zuma discuss. Because you, 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 uh, it's it's against is it against the law to make it so that only women can run a race, like to bar men from I, running a race? I don't think it's ever been tested in court which is the only way you really know if it were illegal. Mm-hmm. Um, there is no law written that races can't be single sex as far as I know. And I think there are a lot of races out there that actually prohibit men or discourage them um, such that um, it, they basically prohibit them. For example, I won't name any names, but I have a friend who put on a women's um, race recently and of, you know, four or 5,000 people, um, he only had a couple men sign up. Like I'm talking two or three. And he yeah. said, I think we're going to call them and ask them to volunteer instead. Yeah. Oh, and wow. I think they did. I mean, of course they probably, I'm sure they did. They either agreed or they sued him basically is the way I was looking at it. Um, so I just, you know, the reason we allow men is I'm not sure it's legal. Um, and, um, also, there are plenty of new runners who are doing our events, and they might be training with their husband. They might be training with, you know, a male coworker or a friend or boyfriend or brother, and they want to run the race with them. And I don't want to um, prohibit them from doing that. You know, we like men runners, too. So um, we're happy for them to support the women in their lives. Um, you know, am I psyched when I see a fast man enter and win a Zuma race? No. Um, but I think that just kind of comes with the territory. So that actually happened on the first and I guess only Zuma race that I've run, which is uh, in Austin, the Zuma, Texas, which we did in 
2010. That's where we launched Run Like a Mother. And so I remember a man was the first to cross the finish line for that. But then one of our buddies who was there, Sheila, she was dubbed the winner. Is that how you handle it, Bray, when when a uh, person with a penis actually crosses the finish line first? Right. We um, not I actually words, have... I actually have a special note in our announcer script for what the announcer should do and how he or she should react if a man wins the race. Um, Ooh, t- tell us the note. We, I don't know exactly what it says, but it says something to the effect of, um, you know, we're happy for men to run the race. Um, we don't want to make them feel bad for running the race. We sort of politely acknowledge that mm-hmm. this is the winner of the men's race coming in, um, but we don't make a big deal about it. We make a big deal when the first woman crosses the finish line. Mm-hmm. And we don't announce the the male finishers nice. or male winners at the um, um, at the award ceremony. And we always get asked, are you going to announce it? Because um, we have so few men run that most of the time, like, you know, the men that are winning or placing in their age group have probably never done so before because it's a race of like 25 people, you know? <laughs> um, right. But, right. you know, I, I think we have That's to, um, we have to accept that they're inevitable and they're um, important, um, but not make, but also, you know, acknowledge that it's a women's race and that's really what we're there to celebrate. Yeah. Cause I think it was at, Zuma actually where, or maybe it was Atlanta, I'm not remembering correctly, but um, where there was a woman who was saying that her husband was running and, and we saw them. I think, Demi, you might have even captured them in one of the videos of, um, so he, it was like you said, that they trained together and he was there to offer his support. And um, I believe it might've been the wife's, you know, first race or her comeback race or something like that. So, but that I, I, you know, I was kind of, why do men run these races? And that was where I found that very touching. So I, um, appreciate that now that I hear your policy. Well, yeah. And I feel like, I mean, yeah, support, if you're there to support, it's great. If you're there for your ego, then you know what, like you need to buy a sports car or something because like, that's just, I, I don't know. I mean, I just feel like there's so many opportunities for, for co-ed races, you know? So do you, it's like, you know, putting me in like, you know, a kindergarten class and saying, who's the tallest, you know, like, oh, I'm going to win. Yay. You know, like, it's just, it's like, what are you doing? You know, why, why, do you, why do I need that? I don't need that, you know, and most men don't, but obviously some do. And if they use it as a training race, like obviously every story is individual and, you know, I don't want to make a blanket statement, but you know, I, I am making a blanket statement and I'm going to stand by it. <laughs> So I think the the final question would be any thoughts of expanding the oh, race funny series? Funny you should ask, right? Sarah. Um, we, yeah, I don't think mm. I've even told you guys this yet. Um, we are, um, mm. yeah, we have a big announcement coming up in a few weeks. And we're working mm. on a big, a mm. big fun way to announce um, our, our latest edition oh. for 2013. So. Oh, come on, just. Just whisper it in our ears. Don't worry. Nobody's listening, Bray. (laughs) So, uh, well, to find out that announcement, um, I take it you're going to have that on your website, zoomarun.com, Bray? Yes, of course. We're going to announce the um, that we're making an announcement on July 18th. (laughs) And then we're going to announce the actual location on the 25th. Well, mark your calendars, ladies, to go to zoomarun.com and your all's Facebook page, which tell us the name of the Facebook page. Um, our handle is Zuma Run. Mm, very good. Okay. That's good. Surprising. And sometimes Dimity and I are over there yeah, answering questions. So, but thanks a ton, Bray. It was fun talking with you. Yeah. See you guys soon.
Well, now that makes me excited to get back to going to Zuma races. So I'm looking forward to that Cape Cod race in September. The, that race is on September 22nd. And the one, the Great Lakes one, is on <laughs> October 20th. Um, and that's about, as I recall, about 90 minutes from O'Hare, if people want. I don't know. It's, it seemed kind of remote in Wisconsin, but it was very pretty. Anyway, so thanks for joining us for... Our podcast, we look forward to seeing you on Facebook, on Run Like a Mother, the book, on our website, anothermotherrunner.com, and you can tweet with us on Twitter. I'm at SBS on the run, and you're at Dimity on the run. So many happy miles to you. (laughs) 